The following is a King's Chapel, Alaska presentation with Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion's making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's call and help us be the personal, powerful, permeating church God's called us to be. For more information, visit kcalaska.com or find us on Facebook. Here's Pastor Daniel. It's one hour, four minutes and 39, 38, 37 seconds to go to the new year. I'm going to preach to you, though, and uh, felt strongly about doing that. I'm gonna, I find my text in Luke 21. If you'd go ahead and stand up on your feet. Luke 21, a passage I've preached from before. We're going to read from verse 5 through verse 36. New King James. Tonight. Are you ready? Now, we do have notes for you, so if you, if you don't have those, just go ahead and raise your... Oh, they're coming. Here they come. They'll be coming around the corner when she comes. She'll be coming around the corner when she comes. If I don't apply that to the message, you just enjoy it as an isolated whole. Luke chapter 21, verse 5. Are you all there? Then as some spoke of the temple and how it was ordained with beautiful stones, he said to these things, he said, These things which you see, the days will come which not one stone shall be left upon another, and that shall not be thrown down. Verse 7, so they asked, saying, Teacher, but when will these things be? And what sign will there be when these things are about to take place? And he said, Take heed that you are not be deceived, for many will come in my name and say, I am he. And the time has drawn near, therefore do not go after them. But when you hear of wars and commotions, do not be terrified. For these things must come to pass first, but the end will not come immediately. And he said to them, Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be great earthquakes in various places and famines and pestilences. And there will be fearful sights and great signs from heaven. But before all these things, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you. That's not the good kind of laying on of hands. There's a couple different kinds. That's not the good one. Deliver you up to the synagogues and prisons. You'll be brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. Verse 13. But it will turn out for you as an occasion for testimony. Therefore, settle it in your hearts not to meditate beforehand on what you will answer. For I will give you a mouth and a wisdom which all your adversaries will not be able to contradict or resist. You'll be betrayed even by parents and brothers relatives, and friends. 
and they will put some of you to death. How many of you are being encouraged right now? <laughs> Just being encouraged. You're like, wow, praise God. Verse 17. And you'll be hated. I know you're feeling better right now, aren't you? And you'll be hated by all for my name's sake. But not a hair of your head, for some of you that have hair, but not a hair of your head shall be lost. Come on, hallelujah. My patience possess your souls, verse 20. But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, you will know it is the desolation, that the desol- its desolation is near. And that those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. And that those who are in the midst of her depart. And let not those who are in the country enter her. For these are the days of vengeance that all things which are written may be fulfilled. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babes in those days. For there will be great distress in the land. And wrath upon the people. And they will fall by the edge of the sword. And be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled by Gentiles. Until the, until the time of the Gentiles are fulfilled. And there will be signs in the sun. In the moon. And in the stars. And on the earth distress of nations. With perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them from fear, and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great authority. Now, when these things begin to happen, look up. Lift up your heads, because your redemption draws near. And he spoke to them this parable, look at the fig tree and all the trees. When they're ready for budding, you see, and you know for yourselves that summer is now near. So you also, when you see these things happening, know that the kingdom of God is near. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away. Till all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away. But my words will by no means pass away. But take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighted down with carousing, drunkenness, the cares of this life, and that the day come on you unexpectedly. For it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Holy Spirit, come and give us living understanding tonight. Release all that's in your heart towards us, your people. We yearn, we hunger for truth and even revelation tonight on this final night. Lord, we're so grateful for your word that truly 
shall not pass away as heaven and earth will, but will remain, will endure forever. And I thank you that it's a lamp unto our feet and a light upon our path. Your word is like a hammer that breaks a rock to pieces. Your word is like fire that burns everything in its path. So come and have your way. Send forth your word, God, through these lips of clay, that it would burn faith in all of our hearts, even as never before. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Every year we do a prophetic conference, and uh, at our prophetic conference we have these uh, prophets that come seasoned, and they give prophetic words to, to people that are registered, and it encourages us. It, it, it builds up our faith. It releases encouragement and strengthening and comfort. And prophecy is, is rather amazing, really. And what we just read was the prophetic word of the Lord in the mouth of Jesus. And prophecy is interesting of the understanding biblical prophecy. It's a fascinating endeavor because it's multifaceted in that there's oftentimes fulfillment not just once and, and sometimes not just one but twice and not just twice but sometimes even three times. Double prophecy and Jesus is addressing uh, two events here in this text. He's addressing the destruction of the temple and he's addressing the second coming his second coming as conquering king. Isaiah 53 talks about the suffering servant, but then declares that he'll come again. He's coming again. He came as a suffering servant 2,000 years ago. The next time he comes, he's going to split the eastern sky. And we stand on the fulfillment of, of prophecy, literally like on the precipice of the close of time, if you understand eschatology and prophecy, it is amazing the amount of fulfillment that's taking place. They said in a bygone generation that Israel could never come back together and be a nation. Yet in 1948, that is exactly what happened. And I was blessed to have my great-grandfather there when it was happening. At the, at, at Israel became a nation once again. God's doing amazing things. And so, as we look at this text, it talks about the destruction of the temple and the second coming. And so I want you to leave your Bibles open to Luke 21. And we're going to look at this text to understand the context of what's happening. Jesus is, is teaching in, in the temple. And as he's teaching in the temple, the disciples are blown away by the beauty of that place. And it was indeed amazing. There's no way that you or I can understand how incredibly beautiful it was. We just returned from Israel and uh, just returned from seeing tremendous sights uh, throughout Rome and, and Istanbul and, of course, in the Holy Land there in Israel. And these aqueducts, the size of these buildings and these monuments are there's so much more grandiose than anything you can imagine until you're standing there. And you're looking at this like, whoa! Sistine Chapel and all of that. 
The temple was, I believe, even exceeded that which you can see today. It was considered one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. Historians say that when you would look at the Temple Mount, it was all covered in white marble. It was so, uh, so gorgeous, so amazing, that they thought that the, the Temple Mount was covered with snow at a distance. It sparkled at times like the sun because Herod had put, well, you talk about Solomon's temple, that's a whole other story. Solomon's temple, then Herod's temple. Herod's temple in its glory was absolutely amazing. It had these large sheets of gold that were placed in strategic places so that it would catch your eye and just the sun would shine off of it. And so the disciples are, they're hanging out with the Lord and he's been teaching them and they're totally blown away. I mean, they're really impressed by the temple. And they, they say, man, look at how this temple is. And the Lord speaks and basically says, <laughs> yeah, not one stone will be left. And they're blown away by that statement. It's amazing. Now this, this temple, there's some history for you, for all of you history buffs. The first temple temp built by Solomon, paid for by his father David, but too much blood being on his hands, God allowed Solomon the honor of building it, was a thousand years before this incident that we're reading here in Luke 21. And the temple was destroyed about 380 years after it was built by the Babylonians, right? So Israel was apostate and Jeremiah prophesying says, they're coming. They called him crazy. Jerry threw him in a pit, but the word of the Lord burned within him like fire in his bones. And he, he couldn't help but say, no, they're coming. And they came. And they conquered and they destroyed the temple and they brought uh, captives to, to Babylon for 70 years. And they left the temple, the first temple now, in total ruins. And so when they were released 70 years later, Daniel prophesying, an old man, many, many tequila praise him. You've been found lacking, you've been weighed, you've been found in lacking in the balance, and the Lord came and, and destroyed a city of Babylon, a city which really was impenetrable. You, you couldn't have conquered. You could have chariot races on its walls. They had used the articles of the temple that night, and judgment came down. And when judgment came down, Daniel prophesying the hand, can you read the handwriting on the wall? You ever heard that expression? It comes from the book of Daniel because his hand showed up and wrote, Many, many tequila praising, which means you've been found lacking, and it's all over, Bubba. And that night, under the decree of Cyrus, which was prophesied in the book of Isaiah, Cyrus coming, it is said that the gates of the city were left open, and they came right in and took the whole city. It was said it was impossible to conquer Babylon, and they conquered it in one night. More gold was taken from Babylon. They said it could not be measured. And at the Cyrus decree, Cyrus is used by the fact he's the only Gentile used by the, the Lord is called mine anointed. Mine anointed refers to a king in the Old Testament, also to the Messiah. Jesus is the anointed one. But Cyrus is called mine anointed. He's the only Gentile called mine anointed. And he's used by the Lord. I'll uphold you by your hand. It thinks Isaiah 45 and following. 
And the Lord leads him, leads him there and he conquers the city and he releases the decree of the return of the Jews back to Jerusalem. What a great day. And they return after 70 years as was prophesied by Jeremiah. And they return and they, they, they're released and they begin to build Ezra, Zechariah, Zerubbabel and others. They rebuild, they lay the foundation and people cried, people wept when they laid the foundation because there were those that were still alive that saw the foundation being laid and was like, this is lame compared to the temple we had. This, and, they, and they wept. That temple's there for about 500 years and Herod the Great, who killed Jesus, remember him, he, he attempted to redo the temple. And so he began in about 19 BC redoing the temple. And so at the time of Jesus here in Luke 21, the temple had been built for 46 years and it wasn't done yet. I mean, that's a 46-year building project. Come on, somebody say, Jesus, help us. And it would be 30 more years after that before it was totally completed. And uh, it was amazing. So the disciples are proud of the temple. In fact, every Jew was proud, of the, was proud of the temple. Josephus writes about that. Other historians write about it. It was just like, whoa, the temple. I mean, it was major. And so when Jesus says not one stone will be left on top of another, they're shocked, right in your notes. The disciples are shocked by Jesus' words. He says, the time will come when not one stone will be left on another. I mean, can you imagine the impact? So here's the Messiah walking with them in this beautiful marble, and they're like, this place is amazing. He says, yeah, it's all going to be destroyed. And they're like, what? What? Whoa. Wow. And they're blown away. I mean, they've already seen his miracles. They've seen all kinds of, they knew that he wasn't lying or kidding or joking. And so when Jesus said it, they were shocked. And uh, what's amazing is uh, that is the question that Luke and, Luke and Mark record this, but Matthew says it a little bit differently. And Matthew says it in a way that really reflects the understanding of a Jew in that age. You see, in their mind, in fact, let me, let me read this to you. Uh, Matthew 24 23. He says it a little bit differently. It's the same story. Tell us when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming at the end of the age? Matthew, you see, in their thinking, a first century Jew is thinking, if the temple's torn down and totally destroyed, then that means the Messiah's come back. And that means that he built a bigger one. And Jesus is saying, wrong. That's not it. Sometimes we get these ideas. And so Jesus tells these two events, the destruction of the temple and the return of his coming. And he, given that, you begin to look at this text from these two perspectives. And look at D, the end will not come right away, but two things will be constant until the end. Everybody said the end is not going to come right away. But two things will be constant. Two things are constant until the end. 
the temple be destroyed, but his, his return would come a long time after that. Verse 9, but when you hear of wars and commotions, do not be terrified. Everybody say, don't be terrified. Don't be terrified. Go get yourself a Glock. Amen. I'm kidding. Praise God. You guys, it must be late or something. You're all like, okay. I've got one. All right. No. Wars and <laughs> commotions. Don't be terrified. These things must come to pass first, and then the, and the end will not come immediately. So the temple's going to be destroyed, but he's not, his, he's not going to return just yet. And so I'm sure they're freaking out. So these two things, all the way through that period, from the destruction of the temple to his second coming, are going to be consistent. The first is deception. Deception will be consistent and has been consistent since this was said by our master and savior, by our hero. Deception. False messiahs and throughout church history there's been false messiahs and there, there have been and there will be. In fact, you can turn to Jude. Turn to Jude chapter 1. There's always going to be somebody bringing some false teaching. There's always going to be somebody declaring that the messiahs come or he's going to come on October 26, 1824, whatever they said from that particular cult. And then when he didn't come on October 26, 1824, then they changed their mind and said, actually, he's coming later on. He's coming later. And they named the date. And then when that date came and went and there's no Messiah, they said this. It was another date. And they picked the other date and he didn't come on that date. And then they said this. Well, he really came but it was like in the spirit. So nobody knows. And wrong. How many of you know that's wrong? There's always going to become, say, if somebody says, oh, I know when he's coming, they don't know. Only the Father knows. Father knows best. In Jude chapter 1, I just wanted to read this, Jude, verse 3. Beloved, I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation. I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend. How many of you know what contending is? Yeah, it's fight for. Contend earnestly for the faith, which is once and for all delivered to the saints. Verse 4. For certain men have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were marked out for condemnation, ungodly men who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Th those same men are still around today. They come the neo-Calvinism, the hyper-grace. That's the, that's the latest gangrenous teaching that's pushing around. And you can just do whatever you want as long as you name the name of Jesus, then you're forgiven. In fact, some go on to say that he, he died for the, he was crucified for the sins of all the world. And so they say, well, actually, you don't even have to be born again because he covered your sin on his death on the cross, and you don't even have to repent. That, that's just flat out not true. And so they had the, that, that problem. Jesus says deception will be all the way through. It's going to be constant. You know, the problem with deception and when you're deceived is you don't know it. Hence the word deception. 
The second thing that's consistent is wars. Wars. Amazing. There's, there's wars. In, in the last century, I mean, you know, some of you are older than me. But if you think back, I mean, I didn't get a chance to Google it. But you think back, there really hasn't been a time period where there hasn't been war. I mean, you go look and look at the, the chronology, chrono, what's the word? Yes, that word. Chronologically, you look and you see all the wars, they just don't stop. I mean, Rome has this season that's called Pax Romana, where there's this season of peace, but then that ends. And it's just like war, 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 ongoing war. I mean, think about it the past hundred years. World War I, World War II, Korean War, Vietnam War, Desert Storm, War on Terror, and then we got ISIS. It's not going to stop. Why? Because Jesus said these two things will be consistent before the end. Deception, wars. Everybody say it? Deception and wars. And Jesus gives them signs, specific signs, when the temple will be destroyed. Verse 10, he said to them, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom and there'll be great earthquakes in various places, famines, pestilence. There'll be fearful sights and great signs from heaven. And if you study about, about the signs from heaven and and I, I mean, all of this, this word comes about in exact detail. So much so that when, when uh, Nero died in 68, uh, 68 AD, civil war breaks out. And there's, these, there's nation arise against nation right there in your notes. Great earthquakes. Ten years before the destruction of the temple, 70 AD, uh, by Titus the general, there's all these earthquakes that break out. In 61 AD, a massive earthquake takes place. Vesuvius is in 63 AD. Earthquakes all over the place. Famines and pestilence. History tells us there's two famines. One under Claudius. In fact, you can read the book of Acts and see that there was a famine. In fact, there was a release of generosity, an offering that was given to help because of the famine. Fearful events, great signs from heaven. I was just reading up in my office a, a section of the, the Jewish wars by uh, Josephus Flavius. Or Flavius Josephus, anyway. It, he's a historian that wrote about, uh, wrote about this time period. And he talks about these signs and wonders that take place. And it, <laughs> he says that the gates of... The gates of the temple opened all by themselves and angels could be seen leaving right before the destruction of the temple. Come on, creepy. I I don't know know if that's all true or anything, but how many of you know there's signs in the heavens? Oh, this is is also recorded that just before that, a a star with a large tail that looked like a sword. Now, we know that to be a comet that was over the city for a whole week before the destruction of the temple. 
And there were Christians at that time that, that knew the words of Jesus, that saw the signs, earthquakes, wars, all those things. And when the comet came and they saw they said, that's it. And they fled. They ran away and they went off into the mountains and the destruction of, of Jerusalem took place. And, and all the Jews were tell, held captive and sprinkled everywhere. And the Christians survived because they were, but this, this, this took place. Persecution, yet God will help you, verse 12. But all of these things will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to synagogues and prisons. You'll be brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. What Jesus said is that there's persecution will not keep them from the glory of heaven. Listen, no matter what you're going through, I know some of you think you're persecuted because you got cut off by somebody when you were driving. And persecution's far different than that. I think I've experienced just a little taste of it at times in my life, but not much, really. Nobody burned me at the stake. In 64 AD, Nero persecuted Christians, and for the first time, Christians were seen as enemies of the state. In fact, we had the, we had the great joy of going to uh, Istanbul, which is, was also called Constantinople, or Constantinople, when Constantine took over Rome, he moved the capital of, uh, of the Roman Empire to what is now Istanbul and called it Constantinople. And it was there that he then, because of his mother and, and uh, his whole long history story about all of that, it's amazing, but they made Christianity legal. And they built the very first cathedral there, St. Sophia's. And we were actually able to go in and see that. Amazing. But before that, Christianity was illegal. You just get killed for being a Christian. Wow. Armies will surround Jerusalem and Christians are commanded by the Lord to flee. You see this in verse 20. When you see Jerusalem being surrounded by the armies, you know that the desolation is near. Jerusalem and the temple will be destroyed. And it was. And Jesus gives signs for his gives signs for his signs of his second coming, the glory. Signs in the heaven, verse 25. People will be in great fear. You know, the news media just loves fanning people into fear. You know why? You know why that is? Because people are easy to be manipulated if they're afraid. If you live in fear, then you're easy to be manipulated. Jesus makes it clear that. Jerusalem will be destroyed. Verse 32. I tell you, this generation will not certainly pass away before all these things happen. And that's exactly what happened. Wow. All right. Let me get to the the crux of it here. And we're going to get praying. All right? How How to live so that you're ready. How to live so that you're prepared for the end. How to live so that you're prepared for His return. This, this isn't like a warm, fuzzy, wee, it's New Year, and we all just get to blow our little horns and throw confetti. You know, praise God, it's New Year, but don't go in with your eyes blinded. Don't go into the New Year thinking that it's just another year. It is absolutely not just another year. For there has been more defilement that has come on our nation that has ever come on our nation in the history of our nation. June 26, same-sex marriage being voted in. And now 7th and 8th graders will be taught about 
about homosexuality and, and their, their freedom to be able to choose whether they want to be a girl or a boy. And it's going to be rammed down the throat of every public school, every public school student. And, and 20 years from now, should the Lord tarry, we haven't seen half of the, of the nightmare that will come from all of that unless there's a great revival. There's a great revival that can overthrow that and we can see some things happen in America. And I believe that's why we're alive. I believe that's why we're here. So how to live prepared for the future. How to live prepared so, so you're ready for what's about to happen in the world and so that you're ready for his soon return. Our reaction should be different than the world. We're not ignorant to what's happening. Listen, don't be an ignoramus. Ignorance is not bliss. Don't just whistle Dixie while going over a waterfall. Understand and know what's happening. Never before. The things that are happening in the earth have happened not to the degree that they are. Verse 28, 29, when these things begin to take place, stand, I love this verse. Oh, this is good. When you begin to see these things, stand up. Lift up your heads, because your redemption's drawing nigh. That's a, that's a stance of confidence, not fear. That's like when you begin to see it all crumble all around, and there's economic collapse, and, and, and I mean, just all these things begin to come, apla- come about. Man, you just stand up and say, come on, Jesus! Come! Woo! Yeah! Yeah! That's not like, oh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Oh, oh! No, it's, bring it! Come on, somebody say stand up. Stand up, man. I'm going to just tell you, don't hang your head in fear. God before you. Who can be against you? Not in fear, but look up, verse 28. Wow. Let's live dependent on the Holy Spirit and His wisdom. I love this verse too. But make up your mind not to worry. Listen, worry fundamentally is sin. If you're living right for God, you got nothing to worry about. If you're not living right, then just wait for impact. Let's put a bullseye on your chest. If you're living right for God, you got nothing to worry about. You live dependent on the Holy Spirit. Make up your mind not to worry beforehand how you'll defend yourself. For I will give you the words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. I've had moments of this. I, I have had moments of intense pressure from people, and I'll call it persecution, but I didn't get injured, praise God. And I found in, at one moment specifically, I was locked in a cage by two of my co-workers. It was a, it was a chicken coop. And they surrounded the chicken coop with two uh, pipes. And they're hitting the side of the chicken coop, screaming at me like it was demonic. They're screaming they're going to kill, kill the Christian, kill the Christian, kill the Christian. I mean, with acts of violence. They hated me. They hated me because 
especially every Monday after their long weekend of fornication, drinking, and carousing, they would see me coming in full of the Holy Ghost, whistling and filled with joy, ready to witness and talk about the healings that took place. And I was just a really bold witness, and they wanted me to shut up. And so this went on month after month, and it was just one day it kind of came to a head. And they met me down there, and I went in to do some, we kept some chemicals in this little coop that locked up. It had, a, it had a gate that closed so no kids or animals can get to it. And I went in there, they closed the gate behind me, they locked it, and they had these two pipes. And they're hitting the side of the, of the chicken coop, screaming, I mean, spit coming out of their mouths. And I mean, it was really violent. And an amazing thing happened. The day before that, I was doing the same thing that I do every day. And while I was in there, the power of the Holy Ghost came on me 24 hours before. And I'm in there and the power of God comes on me and I'm thinking, Jesus. I mean, this power anointing. I'm all by myself. I'm like, Lord, what? What, God? And I remember taking a paintbrush and I wrote Jesus up at the very top on this piece of plywood. You know, up, you know, where nobody would see it unless they like looked up. And I just wrote, I felt you know, impressed to write Jesus and and I'm just like, wow, God, you're awesome. Thank you, Jesus. What are you saying? And I like, I don't hear anything, but man, fire. 24 hours later, I'm in the same chicken coop. They lock me in. They're beating the signs of that thing. I'm sitting there. A, a little bit of fear comes on me. I look up and I see Jesus. I stood up on my feet and I let out this prayer in tongues. It was a, it was a prayer language. It was a, well, it was a real language. I've never prayed it before, and I never prayed it after. It was different than my normal prayer language. I turned that thing loose like fire. And I turned that thing loose. I said something crazy in the Holy Ghost. And both guys froze. One guy dropped his pipe and ran. And the other guy's shaking, and he says, What'd you just say? I stood there, fire all over me, and I looked at him. And he, he came trembling. Opens the gate and was like, Jack. I never got messed with again. And the end of the story is, shortly thereafter, they both got fired. I got promoted and got a big fat raise. Come on, somebody say Hallelujah. In that hour, don't worry about what you're going to say. Because I'm telling you, he can come on you, put his words in your mouth, and it's just an amazing supernatural event. Guard your heart. We must guard our hearts. Three basic things to guard your hearts from. You see, the cares of the world can come so on you. The cares of the world can come so on you that you stop thinking about Jesus. You can become so worried and so entangled that your heart becomes so burdened that you don't worship anymore. You don't think about Him anymore. You don't weep before Him anymore. The days of blushing are long gone and all you are is entangled in the things of the world and you've lost your love for God. Got to guard your heart. And one of the first things you need to guard yourself is from lust. Our nation and even the world has experienced... A new term I have, just heard it tonight. The pornification of America. America has been pornified through these things. Amazing. Amazing defilement happening all through this. You could go right now online and see the most perverse stuff right now at a few taps of your finger. 
And we have even people in churches, pastors that are being defiled, those who are just bound up in lust and think, well, it's just me. It's my life. I can do what I want to. Well, the last time I read my Bible, it says that he purchased you. He bought you. He paid for you. And it's not your life. And, and, and it does make a difference. And as our Dr. Morocco says, you can take a, a bath in sewage. And if you come out, you're going to stink. That defilement gets on you, will defile your whole family. It'll open floodgates for your sons and daughters. It'll open floodgates to your family. It'll destroy your marriage. And it'll take you down to hell is where it'll take you. And you must get a hold of lust. You cannot allow lust to... Am I preaching? Is anybody hearing me? You cannot let lust get up on you. You've got to break it off. You've got to set up your life so you don't end up being a fornicator. So you don't end up being pornified. You need, some of y'all need some help. I can see it. I can see it. I'm preaching. I can see it. Stop it. Stop. Yeah, it's got pleasure for a season, but in the end, it's got a wicked payoff called death. And it'll entangle your heart. Don't, don't be bound by your fallen human nature. Learn to take authority over. Learn to control your passions. The second thing is drunkenness. He talks about this, drunkenness. Don't escape your situations. Listen, if you're convicted now, don't get on your phone and try to change what you're feeling. Let it hit you. So you can repent. So that you can experience joy, unspeakable and full of glory. Passion was created by God, perverted by the devil. The Lord has no problem with you having passion and pleasure and all of that. It's just got to be his way. And it's not even for him, it's for you. Because you're so significant, so special. That blood covenant, I'm going to go over the heads of most. That blood covenant is meant to be forever. In the context of marriage, which is a type and a shadow of the, of the marriage of the Lord and the church. And people think it's just entertainment. It'll destroy you. Drunkenness, an attempt to escape from situations by being sedated. I see most, I said most, so it's not all. So if you're not part of the most, praise the Lord. I see most teenagers sedated. I don't mean they're on drugs. I just mean they're numb. From video games, from Facebook maybe, from from social media, from the constant stimulation visually, they're numb. Here, let me just take a slap while I'm at it. I've already gotten in trouble, so I'm going to go all the way. If you, if you just hand this thing to your kid and you don't know what he's looking at, you're a fool. If you, if you don't have a rule like, let me, let me have your here, you know, the phone check, and you hand their phone, they go, oh, no, no, no hey, that's my phone. Oh, you, you, they, 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 you, the, get the, you just snatched that thing straight out their hand because they're hiding something. Woo-hoo, come on, somebody, Hallelujah. I don't have any of that stuff on my phone. My wife picks up my phone. We share, we share emails. I've got nothing to hide. Zero. And I've set it up structurally so it is that way. I'd never go back to that garbage. No way. Why would you do that when you have pleasures forevermore at the right hand of God? 
would you go and eat that kind of a sandwich when you can drink from the river? Oh, and you can drink from the river of his pleasures. Why would you go do that? Maybe because you've never had a drink from the river. Oh, what time is it? It's almost, almost time. Jesus, help me. Drunkenness. Being sedated. Intoxicated. From anxiety. Maybe you're overwhelmed or anger or bitterness. Anxiety. These things the enemy uses to, to keep you from being prepared, to keep you from being ready. Are you ready? So check yourself. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready for him to return tonight? If he comes five minutes from now, are you going? Verse 36, as we bring this to a close, Minister Micah and team, would you come? Watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things which will come to pass and stand before the Son of Man. Watching that you live holy before God and praying. Watching your life, that you're living rightly. Watching your heart. Could it be that Jesus is saying, if you're not watching and praying, then you won't be prepared for when he comes? How many of you know what the rapture is? How many of you ever heard the term of the rapture? Hello. How many of you ever heard the term of the rapture? Okay. Paul talks about that to the church in Thessalonica. It's a catching away of the saints. Now, that some say that, it, that it's going to happen before, before the seven years of tribulation. Those who say that the rapture or the catching away of the saints is before the tribulation are what are called people that are pre-trib. Pre-tribulate. They believe in the pre-tribulation rapture. Then there's some that say uh, that it's going to happen during tribulation. Those are mid-tribulation people that believe that. And then there's some that say that the catching away, the rapture, is going to take place after the tribulation. I loved what Bob Rogers said so many years ago. The whole school was there. It was a daytime service. And he said, all of you young people, when the rapture comes, if you don't go to be caught away with the Lord and you're here, don't join the army. <laughs> because if you join the army, you'll find yourself fighting against God. I thought, whoa. I, I, I don't want to be left behind. Anybody want to be left behind? See, so when is it? Is it pre, mid, post? I've no idea. I'm pan. It's going to pan out. It's going to keep my heart on fire for God. The Assemblies of God believe that it's a pre-trip. Many people believe pre. That'd be nice. But oh, you'd be disappointed if it isn't, wouldn't you? <laughs> Listen, be prepared to endure. Don't, don't, don't bank on that. I say don't bank on it. Because you don't want to. It could very well be. May it be so. 
But I say be prepared to go the distance and be ready at all costs. Now be ready right now. Come on, God's taking a victorious church out of here. It's not some limp-wristed church. Not some weak, anemic, no-power church. It's a, it's a victorious church. A, a bride who's prepared herself. That's who he's taking out of here. That, have you prepared yourself? The Spirit and the bride say come. The Spirit and the bride say come. There's this, he makes us ready, but then there's this, this we prepare ourselves. Come on, are you ready? I'm just asking. We go into 2016. Are you ready? Are you prepared? Don't get mad at me. Watch and pray. Listen, I push you to prayer. You said, man, this church is a little aggressive. If you don't like it, go find another one. There's a lot of great churches out there. But I'm going to stand before God for how I've prepared you. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus, help me. And we're held to a greater, higher standard. You know that. We're held to a higher standard. Teachers, pastors, higher standard. Pastor Vince, we're, we, we get greater accountability. He's going to hold us to a minister, Ava. All you leaders. Yeah, he's going to hold you to a higher standard. You're like, I don't think I like that. Well, better not be in leadership then. <laughs> He'll prepare you though. Everybody say, watch and pray. Stand up on your feet. Come on. Are you ready? Come on, begin to lift your voice. If I said anything that was inappropriate about for children that were here, I'm, please forgive me. Hopefully I did not. Come on, lift your voice. Come on, lift your voice. Talk to him. Watch him pray. First thing is examine your heart. How you doing? How you doing? like you do to see things like you do and God I look to you you're where my help comes you're where my help comes from give us wisdom tonight give me wisdom you know just what to do and I will love you Lord by strength I will love you and I will
seven minutes, let's intercede and pray. Come on, let's pray for our family members. You come and lead us, Pastor Person. How many of you got family that's not saved? Come on, 2016 be the year. Why don't we take a moment to intercede for our family members. Come on, lift their name up to the Lord. Lord, I pray for my brother, my uncles, my cousins, their children, their grandchildren, entire side of my family. 2016, may it be an awakening come to my family. Oh, oh God, I pray there would be many, many turn to you. God, I pray that you would speak, act. God, arrange things. You're the great orchestrator. Arrange, oh God, one more time for them to hear the gospel, for to, to give them a moment of repentance. God, grant our family members a moment to turn to you. 2016, bring an awakening to our family, we pray. Oh God, grant them a moment that they wake up and come to their senses just like the prodigal son did when he was far from home. He came to his senses. God, do it in our family, we pray in Jesus' name. America needs an outpouring. Alaska needs an outpouring. I'll tell you one touch of the power of the Holy Ghost. You'll never go for a substitute. You'll never go for that other stuff. Come on, there's a river. There's a river of joy, a river of pleasure at His right hand forevermore. There's satisfaction only in Him. Come on, let's pray for the outpouring of the Spirit. Father, we pray. As in days of old, you would pour out your Spirit on us, God. As you prophesied in Joel, God. And you brought about, Lord, in the book of Acts, God. The outpouring of your Spirit would come upon us, Lord. And you would make your ministers flames of fire, God. And we would be filled with your Spirit, God. And that you would flow the very kingdom of God out of us. And every place we go, Lord, we would be equipped. We would be prepared, Lord, to represent you, Lord. In the grocery stores, in the laundry mats, in our workplaces, God. Wherever we go, Lord, it'll be about you. Impossible. 
are shaking people. You are waking them up. God, you are bringing the intercessors, the worshipers, the equipment, the building, everything that's needed to house and do our part in that. God, even as a strategic defense for our state, as a strategic defense for our nation, even the nations of the earth, raise up a house of prayer, oh God. Make many houses of prayer all over our state from the north, south, east, and west in Jesus' name. Come on, let's pray for healing. Let's pray for mighty healing. If you need healing in your body right now, we want to agree for you. How many of you need healing just right where you're at? Oh, forget it. Come on. Come on up front. Come on, let's pray. Come on, come. You need healing in your body. Let's pray right now. Lord, release your healing touch. Come on, you need a touch of God. Come on, come. Come on, let's pray for these, Lord, right now in Jesus' name. Release your healing touch. Release your power.
Come on now, just lift your hands. Father, we thank you. We declare you to be the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the mighty God. We declare that you are God alone. We ask for your blessing to be upon us this new year now. We'd serve you with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And that if this would be the year of your return, we welcome it and even say, Maranatha, even say, even so, come, Lord Jesus. May we be ever ready as we watch and pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You're not right with God. Don't you leave this place. Don't you leave this place without being reconciled to Him. If that's you, you want to give your heart to Jesus for the first time or make a fresh commitment to Him, just pray with me right out loud. Why don't we all pray say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your Son, Jesus, to die on a cross for my sin. Forgive me for all of my sins. Come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Wash me. Cleanse me. Make me new. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. You know, I just feel led to get on my knees. Why don't we do that if you're able to? Come on. An active humbling ourselves before the Lord. It's New Year's already. God, we thank you. We humble ourselves before you. We're dependent on you. We're so grateful, Lord. Thank you for new life. Thank you for another, another year. And we fulfill all of our purpose that you have for us. You'd keep us from defilement. You'd keep us, Lord, safe from the enemy. Deliver us from temptation. Oh, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen and amen. Happy New Year, everybody. Praise God. Happy New Year. Praise the Lord. God bless you. Thanks for listening to King's Chapel, Alaska and Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion is making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's life call and help us to be the personal, powerful, and permeating church God's called us to be. Get in touch with us anytime at 907-357-2065, 907-357-2065, or online at kcalaska.com, kcalaska.com. Friend us on Facebook and follow Pastor Daniel's tweets at Alaska Revival.